This is the After Party, live with Jim McAllister and John Daly. TGIF. Happy Friday. Friday. Happy Friday. Boy, has it been raining here in the North Bay. Oh, really? Yeah, really loud. I can hear it on the uh, hitting the steel tile roof. Why are you yelling, Rain? Uh, It rained overnight here. Uh, We're always kind of wet, remember? Yeah. Yeah. It's not always rain. What is it on the street? Yeah. I don't know. What can you tell us about the scene? Here, my fellow Petalumen, that we had what appears to be not confirmed, but what appears to be a tornado, a twister touchdown out at Middle Two Rock. Yeah, just a little west of Petaluma. That's where I used to go to uh, Cub Scout camp. Yeah, that's also where Julia rides horses often, at least twice a week out there. It's a much more glamorous childhood. That was like in a tent. (laughs) Well, it's not often we get a tornado. Apparently the last tornado in Sonoma County was 11 years ago. I didn't even know we had one. Here's what it looked like. Look at that. You see that little cloud out in the distance? Yeah. So it's a, they think it's a, it was a funnel cloud if it doesn't touch down. And they're not sure if it touched down. So they have to go out there and look and see if there was any damage to the ground of the area here. But at this point, it's just a funnel cloud. But maybe it was a tornado. I don't know. But a little excitement in Sonoma County. Woohoo! Very interesting. Yeah. Um, we speaking of uh, exciting, we need to thank Deidre Lozica. Yay! Um, for a uh, super, I think, ten dollar happy anniversary message at the end of yesterday's oh, show. Deidre, that's so nice. Aloha. Yeah. Sometimes the messages they come through right at the end, right as we're uh, we're uh, saying goodbye. So thank you, Deidre. We appreciate the support. Um, um, very much. Very, very much. Mm-hmm. Um, I also wanted to mention uh, Punxsutawney Phil. Oh, yeah. Look at him with his long he nails. has wow. predicted an early spring. Yeah, he has. So the verdict is in. Um, yeah, so that means uh, if, he, if he doesn't see his shadow, spring is early, right? So the first time in two years, Phil didn't yeah. see his shadow, meaning that he predicts spring will come early. You know what else is happening today? What's that? Big old asteroid set to buzz us. Big ass. Look at that. Big, Big ass. Asteroids. It's a, They say it's the size of a skyscraper, that it's wow. going to whip past the Earth. It's going to be safe passage, but it's 1.7 million miles away from us. And they that's, in the scheme of things, right. rather close. This asteroid is called... A 2008 OS7. It's a very sexy name. Mm. It won't be back our way again until 2032. That's okay. And when it comes by next time, it'll be 45 million miles away. So much further away. 1.7 million miles this time. You know, they're thinking it's, uh, you know, that's that's the closest it'll be for a while. Although I um, see they do note it's the size of the New York's uh, New York City's Empire State Building or Chicago Chicago's Willis Tower. That's a big ass asteroid. Yeah, that's a big ass. It's it's it'll pass at a distance of seven times the distance from the Earth to the Moon. It's a wide load. It's a wide. She carrying a wide load. Baby got back. (laughs) (laughs) The space rock is between six hundred ninety feet and fifteen hundred feet across. Yeah, she's a big one, but we're okay. It's not going to hit us, so it's fine. Famous last uh, words. Yeah. <laughs> Before we crossed. get started with our an- animal stories, I want to ask you to click the like 
button and share the show and help Yay. us grow the channel uh, so we get bigger and better. Yes, and, we uh, do. It looks like you uh, you you found a raccoon story. I did find a raccoon story. This is a marriage proposal for this couple from South Carolina. They had this special moment, or they were trying to. Right. He's you know proposing. Uh, this is happening in in uh, this man named Nathan Demetri's backyard in Columbia, South Carolina. He's trying to do the surprise proposal to what was then his girlfriend, Kate. But <laughs> I guess this someone was trying to film it for them, you know, capture that special moment. Right. And what they caught uh, was something else. Do we have the video on this one? I Did don't you know. Bring it? Oh, did I? I did bring it. Hold on. Let me get it. Let me get it to you. Did you bring it to the yard? I did bring it. To, While I you're d- bringing it to the yard, who you know who else is bringing it to the yard? Wes, Wes is bringing Wes it to the T yard. With $5. Thank you, Wes. We appreciate Ooh. the support. Uh, your ongoing support means a lot to us and you're always there for us. So we appreciate that. Okay. So here's the video. Let's see if I can show it to you. This is, uh, this is, what happened when they got the proposal? The marriage proposal crasher. It happened in Nathan Dimitri's Columbia, South Carolina backyard. A surprise proposal to girlfriend Kate Jones. But an even bigger surprise was what was on the proposal video shot by one of Kate's best friends. She got everything except for the kneeling part. At the moment when Nathan reached in his pocket for the ring, Mary Dawson got distracted by a rustling noise. She says she turned her head and the phone went with her. (laughs) By the time she panned away from the raccoon, the will you marry me on one knee part was over. She was very regretful, very um, nervous to tell us. Online comments like, I'd be taking new best friend applications didn't help. Are you mad at Mary? No, not at all. We thought it was hilarious. And they did have Kate's sister taking still photos from the other side. If you string together live photos, you get to see Nathan go down on bended knee. At least it'll be a great story at the end of the day, so I'm glad that it happened. Mary told CNN, we have been friends since birth and have the exact same humor, which is why I knew she would find it hilarious. Are you going (laughs) to invite the raccoon to the wedding? That would be awesome. Why let a raccoon come between two people who have been friends forever? Chinimos, CNN. Our thanks to CNN for that report. That's funny. That little raccoon face popping up got me. It's like, That's funny. Murphy I'm says here. a raccoon once broke into our locked cooler while camping and stole all our waffles. No! no! He's a and, waffle uh, thief. Deidre saying, God, are they young or am I getting older? They look really young. Yeah. And also, we're getting older, Deidre. <laughs> That's true. That's true. You know what isn't getting old? Wes with another $5 super sticker. What? Wow. Wes? I hope that wasn't a, like a, a misclick. I know. Wes, you're crazy, but we love you. <laughs> Thank we you do. so much. Yeah. Um, yeah. Our audience is smaller, so every contribution proportionally Absolutely. Is, it has a much bigger impact on our ability to keep the show going. So uh, please... And thank you. Um, the next story is about a colony of bats. Ooh. A family was driven out of a Georgia home by a colony of bats. They said they had to evacuate when it became infested. Monica and Isaiah uh, Grant moved from Chicago, you know, excited, moving across the country, to Savannah, uh, the Ardsley Park neighborhood less than a year ago when they encountered their first bat on January 18th. 
We're like, Savannah has many bats, so it's fine. Nothing's wrong. Grant said several more bat encounters occurred during the ensuing days, and the family soon discovered that the house was infested with the flying animals. No, that would let's, drive me out too. Mm -mm. Let's go to the video. Up until just a few days ago, the family was still living in the home along the bats, alongside of those bats, thinking that there was only one or two or even just three. But instead, as the days grew longer, the colony just grew bigger and bigger until the family said they couldn't take it anymore. Yeah, and so it smells really bad too. Monica walked me through their rental that was once her sanctuary, but now feels like something out of a movie due to the colony of bats sharing the home. Could never imagine that happening. Like I had never even seen a bat except for at the zoo. Another one coming through this vent and we were just like, I'm done. Like I can't do this anymore. Like something is actually wrong in this house. Now the Grant family says that all four of them have to get rabies shots, something the Coastal Health District recommended. Bats are super small and they have super teeny teeth. And so you might not know if you've actually been bitten or exposed to a bat. A Savannah City ordinance violation was filed and posted to the property. A City of Savannah spokesperson says that this warning is because of that bat infestation and says that the code enforcement and the owner of the rental home are working to get it resolved. Yeah, uh, Grant said exterminators who viewed the home told her the situation is worse than anything we have ever seen. How many bats were in there? A lot. The couple oh. and their two children, ages two and eight months, are now staying at the neighbor's house and received those rabies shots as recommended by the health district. Yikes. Um, yeah, they, uh, it was local yokel news, so they went into a lot of detail about the uh, the ordinance, and, <laughs> and I, yeah. I cut that out. But uh, yeah, you can see uh, th our thanks to uh, WTOC, uh, the Southeast's uh, news leader, Channel oh. 11 there. Oh, the news leader. That's yeah. right. Although there's no apostrophe in 49ers. FYI, WTOC. <laughs> FYI, from the <laughs> Bay Area to you. Um, this guy, this opossum, opossum. Oh, oh, opossum. opossum. Auto this parts. Por <laughs> this porch pirate. He's caught stealing boxes off a porch on camera. People are thinking, oh, awful humans are coming by and taking right. my stuff. No. It's Yarr. the little woodland creatures nearby in the Yarr. middle of the night. It's a possum pirate. Mm, it is the this happened at, at the uh South Lake area. I don't know what state uh I don't know what state this is in. South, I just know Texas. it's South, is it South Lake, Texas? Yeah, that's Check like uh, this Dallas out. area. The South There's Lake a Whole Foods. Oh, the South Lake Department of Public Safety said a resident identified only as Dr. M shared the security camera footage after the theft. And here is the video. He wants that box. He's going to take it. There he goes. Yep. <laughs> and so off he goes with the package. His son, the doctor, Dr. M's son, was celebrating his 15th birthday, and he'd been given some Tiff's Treats cookies by a family friend. Uh. So the box was filled with cookies. You can see now why the opossum was like, I want those. The yeah. son later discovered the balloon left by the delivery worker as well as a bag of icing, but the box of cookies was found empty in the family's side yard. 
Sayonara, he sucker. pulled the box to the side yard and had a feast. The yeah. security footage, of course, reveals the thief as the opossum that made off with the cookies. And so, uh, it's funny, There's the police department is saying, we advocate that you have one of these cameras in front of your home so you can see what's really going on out there. Interesting. Yeah. Um, you know, we were covering, <clears throat> pardon me, we were covering that story of the um, the monkey that escaped in Scotland. Yes, he was see- last seen traipsing through a garden, right? Yeah, um, well, in-, in the trees, they had a drone footage, but the zoo has captured this oh. monkey after five days on the loose. His days um, of freedom are over. Yeah, the Highland Wildlife Park says we can confirm we have successfully caught the macaw that escaped from the park on Sunday named Honshu. Uh, the monkey escaped, uh, was tranquilized, and successfully returned Thursday after five days. Uh, the Highland Wildlife Park uh, near Kingusi announced on social media that the Japanese macaw, or snow monkey, was captured after being spotted raiding a resident's bird <laughs> feeder. That's right. After a call to our hotline just after 10 a.m., our keepers and drone team made their... Uh, we should get a drone team. They made I their way <laughs> to a member of the public's garden... Uh, where the monkey was seen eating from a bird feeder and successfully used the trank dart to, to catch him. The monkey, named Hanshu, will be examined by a veterinarian before being returned to the rest of the monkey troop. We need a monkey troop. No, we shouldn't keep monkeys. Those are no. I, They shouldn't even be in zoos, but no. well, that's, that's another story. Um, zoo officials said earlier that Hanshu's Sunday escape was spurred by mating season for snow monkeys. Uh, which causes the males to become more aggressive towards one another. He was Aww. looking for love. Mm. Or he was chased off. Well, I mean, it's good that he's back with his his uh, his other monkey friends, but I kind of, uh, I was I was enjoying his little excursion. You yeah, know? And we got three yeah. stories out of it. We did, we really did. Yeah. Um, this is, I guess you could call this an, a little animal, this little monkey. He's monkey. This around. little monkey ended up inside of that, you know the machine, the claw, where you... You uh, put right. money in the machine, and then you can use the claw to pick up a stuffed animal or toy in an arcade. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you're not supposed to climb inside. But this toddler did just that, climbed right inside of the claw. And this happened in Queensland, Australia. Not just any claw machine. Hello Kitty claw machine. Hello Kitty claw went right in there, couldn't get out. They had to call the Queensland, Queensland police. Ethan climbed into the claw machine filled filled with Hello Kitty plush toys right through the prize chute. He went in, and then he couldn't find his way back out. Do we have video of this one, yes, too? Yes, we do. Here again. Yeah. able to get into that back corner. Hey Ethan, Ethan, go to that back corner. Oh, go over to that corner over there. Uh, go to mum, go to mum. Go to mum. Cover his eyes. Now Ethan, cover your eyes, hide. Ready? He's smart. Go. You want a prize? Which one do you want? <laughs> no, no prize for you. No way, no prize. Are you kidding me? Yeah. I, I, although I'm sure the owner of the machine was like, you couldn't wait for us to get the key. 
Exactly. <laughs> You're paying for that glass, pal, is what I have to say yeah. to you. And then the police officers encouraging them to steal. Uh, that was kind of funny. Well, you uh, get a prize. Yeah. So Ethan gets lifted out of the, the machine. He's returned to his family uninjured. Uh, the post said uh, that the toddler played his part of the game beautifully. Ethan uh, the, and the police won Claw Machine Zero. Although they, uh, he has a story for the rest of his life. I've heard of kids doing this before with these machine, these claw machines, and so they really do need to fix the the chute where you can climb up so that it's not so yeah. big that a little kid could fit. Well, in I guess because these are dispensing large plush dolls. Yeah. So yeah, they need some kind of one way door. Right. Yeah, because yeah. that's we'll dangerous. That. I mean, what if that kid hadn't been able to get to the corner, or he didn't understand what they were saying, or he didn't right. cover his eyes enough to, you know, with a glass breaking? Or if he got stuck in the metal Ooh. section getting yeah, in. Yeah, that could have been ugly. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's not the kind of exercise you want. Um, yeah. But good news <laughs> is that your brain doesn't want you to exercise. Oh, really? If the benefits mm -hmm. of physical activity were distilled into a pill, everyone would be on it, right? Studies show that moving improves nearly every aspect of your health, boosting mm -hmm. sleep, strength, and mental well-being while slashing the risk of chronic conditions and premature death. What's more, studies show that exercise has a positive impact even when done in very short chunks, like Chunky Duncan, and with no <laughs> equipment or fancy gym membership required. Still, most people don't exercise nearly enough. According to data published in 2023, Less than one-third of U.S. adults get the government-recommended amount of physical activity in their free time. That's at least 20 minutes of moderate-intensity aerobic movement. Think brisk walking every day. Plus a, uh, a couple muscle-strengthening sessions, such as resistance training each week. Why is it so tough to get people to do something so good and for and accessible to them? Physical limitations and health problems are certainly a factor for many people, since m more than half of U.S. adults have some kind of chronic condition. Modern life deserves uh, much of the blame, too, with long, sedentary workdays uh, mm -hmm. and infrastructure that often makes it easier to hop into the car than walk or bike somewhere, especially in the suburbs, right? And studies have long shown that people who don't uh, make much money are less likely to exercise than wealthier people, in part because many live in areas with relatively few spaces where it's safe and pleasant to be active. But research suggests there's another obstacle that affects all of us. Our brains don't want us to exercise. Why, John? We, we are wired to be sedentary. We are wired <laughs> to sit down in front of a camera and do a YouTube show. And hang for, out. Mm -hmm. For most of human existence, people had to be physically active to carry out the basic functions of life, such as finding or growing food. Humans evolved to tolerate a high level of activity, but also to gravitate towards rest when possible, to conserve the energy for when movement was either necessary or pleasurable. Um, in other words, hunter-gatherers weren't out jogging to burn extra calories from an evolutionary perspective. That would be stupid, right? You're wasting mm -hmm. energy on something that's not going to give you a benefit whatsoever. As a society, we no longer move that much in the course of our daily life, but the evolutionary instinct to conserve energy still remains with us. That disinclination, that reluctance, disinclination would be a ding word. Yeah, I was thinking that. That reluctance, the, uh, that voice that says, I don't want to exercise, is completely normal and natural. So I thought that was interesting. If you want to read the rest of the uh, stories well, in Time Magazine, time.com. Everyone knows on the game of Survivor, you don't waste energy except if you're going into a challenge, right? Right. So you kick it. Yeah, but camp. they're not eating what we're eating. Yeah. They're, they're eating just... like rice and maybe some getaway to get You don't like pizza do or... work around camp. You save it all up for the challenges, right? 
Yeah. yeah, I could see that our brain would be the same. Another story we have an update on. I think we first we told you it was missing. Um, now it looks like the Jackie Robinson statue that was cut off at the feet. Remember oh, that? No. It yeah. was it was in a Kansas park. It the statue was found burned in a trash can. Oh, come on. Such a bummer. The charred remnants of the stolen Jackie Robinson bronze statue found inside of a trash can at this Kansas park. It was dumped in there, and then it was lit on fire at Garvey Park in Wichita. Fire crews called out to the scene uh, on Tuesday. Yeah, they found the discovery after putting the trash can flames out. They say it's a heartbreaking discovery that one of the Wichita City Council folks said, I hate to see the statue was not in one piece. I but do want everyone to know that we are undeterred in making sure the statue gets rebuilt and put back where it needs to be. Most of the statue vanished last Thursday night after it was cut off at the ankles at League 42 baseball fields in McAdams Park, which is also home to the Jackie Robinson uh I think museum. There's a museum there as well. The prize figure honors the Major League Baseball's first player to smash the color barrier in 1947 when he signed with the Brooklyn Dodgers. Yeah, so far, no arrests made. And the person that runs that museum was saying, you know, we hope it was somebody that wanted to cash it in for bronze and that we get it back. We really hope this wasn't a racist kind of thing. But when you see this burned in a look at the remnants there in a trash can that's not someone trying to make money right so far they're taking this really seriously they've done a hundred interviews they're going door to door looking for doorbell footage to see if anyone was caught cutting the statue off at the knees they say it's only a matter of time it would be in your best interest to just turn yourself in because we are coming for you that's what they're saying that's not a good start to uh black history month you know what? It was a really nice statue, too. I mean, we showed you the part where it was cut off at the feet, right? Yeah. But did I ever show you what the statue looked like before it was so badly damaged? I don't know. Because that you did. it was really, I mean, it's a pretty statue. Let's see if I can find it. Um, well, while it you is. do that, um, let's thank Pamela Kirby for a $10 Yay, super Pamela. sticker. Thank Pamela, you. thank you. And Wes saying that it was not a misclick. He did mean to give us uh, another $5. Oh, so Wes. Thank you, Wes, for your Thank generosity. you for the double up on that. Yeah. Yay. Yeah, baby. So here's what it looked like. I mean, that's a really nice statue. Yeah. Bronze statue, beautiful Where did a this representation of Jackie Robinson, Wichita, Kansas. Yeah. And all that was left were the feet. And now it's all burned and gone. That's sucks. Sad. Yeah. Yeah. We hope it's not a you know racial thing, but you never know. Um, it is that part of the country. Um, Austin, Austin, Texas, another part of the country that you love. Mm. Uh, <laughs> experimented, although Austin is uh, the, one of the nicer parts of. Uh, it's a, isn't it kind Texas? of the, a blue dot in a sea yeah. of red? Yeah. yeah. Austin experimented with giving people one thousand dollars a month. They said they spent the no strings attached cash mostly on housing oh. so that was a guaranteed basic income program and i know they've tried that uh what was it stockton yeah did they ever get that going yeah they did they did yeah. it for a while they said it worked out really well they also did it in oakland and los angeles a lot of communities doing it yeah so people who received guaranteed basic income in one of texas's largest cities and you wouldn't expect that in the rest of texas right reported reduced rates of housing insecurity but some texas lawmakers are not happy shocking mm-hmm. uh maybe the ones that go to cancun 
Mm-hmm. Austin was the first city in Texas to launch a taxpayer-funded guaranteed income program when the Austin Guaranteed Income Pilot kicked off in May 20, uh, 2022, when the program served 135 low-income families, each receiving $1,000 monthly. Funding for 85 families came from the city of Austin, while philanthropic donations funded the other 50. The program was built as a means to boost people out of poverty and help them afford housing. We know that if we trust people to make the right decisions for themselves and their families, it leads to better outcomes, the city says on the website, leads to better jobs, increased savings, food security, and housing security. While the program ended in August last year, a new report from the Urban Institute in Washington, D.C., think tank, suggests that the city's program did, in fact, help its participants pay for housing and food. On average, program participants said they spent more than half of the cash they received on housing. After the year-long program, surveys suggested participants were substantially more housing secure than when they enrolled, while other Texas residents with low income became modestly less housing secure over the same period, according to the report. The program also appeared to help uh, reduce food insecurity among those participants. The number of participants who reported being unable to afford to eat a balanced meal decreased by 17% um, percentage points uh, after a year. So... Uh, that's uh, your update on Austin. That's so, cool. Interesting. Yeah. They say that the whole thing about letting people make their own choices is you can spend that guaranteed income money on anything you want. Right. I mean, you could go out and buy alcohol, booze, drugs, sex, pills, whatever, right? Sex, drugs, and rock and roll. But they say that most people don't do that. Most people use it to pay for housing, use it to pay for food, use right. it to pay for the necessities, and then they lift themselves up and manage Well, and these to, are screened applicants, yeah. which is different than just yeah. like going out to the street and finding somebody who's addicted to drugs and being like, here, have a thousand dollars. Yeah. Well, you, you have to apply, but also you right. have to meet a poverty level. So, yeah. Right. Uh, Let's move to science. NASA's Artemis teams install this emergency escape basket at NASA's uh, Kennedy Space Center. That seems kind of like a good idea. Emergency basket. It, it's to get off the shuttle or the oh, spacecraft if there's an emergency. Like, because where are you going to go, right? You're up in the air. What's going to happen to you? Right. Well, hop in the basket, apparently. Teams with NASA's Exploration Ground Systems program started installing four emergency egress baskets at launch pad, uh, pad 39B in preparation for NASA's Artemis II crewed mission at the agency's Kennedy Space Center in Florida. So here's how it works. If you have an emergency at the launch pad during launch out. countdown these baskets very similar to gondolas on ski lifts will take the astronauts and the pad personnel safely from the mobile launcher to the base of the pad where emergency transport vehicles will drive them away they've tested these baskets by placing water tanks filled at different levels to help simulate the different weights of the passengers and releasing them. Once the basket testing is complete, the teams will perform an emergency egress demonstration with the Artemis crew to practice the route the astronauts will take during an emergency. It's one of several new systems and upgrades being installed in support of safety for the Artemis missions. So, pretty interesting. Uh, I'm in fan. I'm a fan of the safety basket <laughs> take me to the safety basket very interesting yes. um it just felt what might f- might have been a slight earthquake or Ooh. someone hitting the building i know they're doing construction nearby so um that is I'll not look it up. that is not a verified report if you want to check into that uh, meanwhile uh we'll move on i guess the key there with that basket is to get out before the rocket blows up that's right yeah yeah <laughs> i guess that would be <laughs> it's usually after they start taking off that's a problem right 
Um, but in Miami Beach, uh, their commission voted preemptively for spring break curfews and beach restrictions. The Miami Beach City Commission voted Wednesday to call for midnight curfews. Uh oh, they're getting crazy down there. And 6 p.m. closures of the beaches in South Beach during two weekends in March in anticipation of a flood of spring break visitors. City officials outlined a slew of measures aimed at shutting down the party atmosphere that in recent years has uh, seen large crowds pack Ocean Drive and led to shootings that have made international headlines. Wednesday's vote represents a preemptive plan to implement curfews and closed beaches ahead of the arrival of spring break crowds. In past years, the city has only implemented curfews and declared a state of emergency in response to violent incidents, in part because of legal concerns about the ability to do so ahead of time. If somebody thinks we're doing too much, that means we're probably doing it right, said Mayor Stephen Miner um, during Wednesday's meeting. We mean business. Last March, the city imposed a midnight curfew after stampedes and a pair of deadly shootings on Ocean Drive, which included, included a gruesome incident on a crowded sidewalk that was captured in a viral video. Um, after those incidents, the city attorney said that given the pattern of violence and unruly crowds over several years, the city has a strong legal case to preemptively announce its intention to impose curfews and other safety measures during spring break. So let's uh, not get too crazy. Uh, checking your earthquake report. I will tell you, no earthquake has been noted by the U.S. Geological Survey. We had two in Northern California this morning. One just after 7 a.m. was a 4.9, 70 miles from Eureka. So it happened out in the ocean. And then a little while ago, a magnitude 3.6 off the coast of Petrolia uh, near the Eureka area, also uh, in the ocean. So 60 mi 69 miles or kilometers rather west of Petrolia. That is the, and then there's there is a 4.5 in India, but there's nothing in Northern California. And usually, hmm, usually they have like if if they don't know the magnitude, they put yeah. like a, a white square with an X yeah. while they're calculating whatever it is. And so far, nothing. So I yeah, think yeah, there might have been an impact on that. Sometimes it's yeah. um like a uh, a large. It's amazing what a large truck going down the street can uh, feel like. Yeah, you know, it just going going by, especially and even like the um light rail light rail vehicles going right. down the street my sister used to live near the j line yeah. and just the rumbling they're heavy vehicles it, mm -hmm. it made the building shake um, well, i'm glad that you mentioned uh public transport which leads me to this uh this is chicago's transportation agency and maybe san francisco should take a page from what they're doing in chicago i don't know tell me what you think they have these triangular p deterrents they don't Wait, want what? people to do public urination, right? And That's so kind of they, our thing. It's kind of a San Francisco thing. No. Yeah. Um, these are these weird little metal, they almost look like a little metal upside down shelf or cone that they're, they're, uh, they put um, sand contraptions, uh, sand under these contraptions helps absorb the urine. And the protrusion from the wall helps prevent the urine from building up in corners. Apparently, these are um, popular in European transportation agencies as well. So, you know, I mean, I don't, I've never seen anything like this in San Francisco. Never seen anything like this before. Uh, Nothing no. in history. And I think perhaps that San Francisco could use these little urine contraptions to keep people from peeing at the BART station and the Muni station. Here's what it looks like. So you see those little kind of, I don't know, we call them cone-shaped or triangles that are folded. Right. 
So there's sand underneath to absorb more, the moisture. And then um, it, it it prevents the, I guess it prevents the, the urine from collecting in the corners and just make being a smelly mess. So this is what we've come to. We have to, you know, people, so many people pee in public now that we have to put these kinds of things in. It's a urine innovation. It is. And somebody had to come up with it, right? They've had a lot of complaints in Chicago about urine in stations, on the trains. And so these features are an effort to stop that. Um, they were put in as part of a pilot program. And I guess they're working. I don't know. They, they don't have enough public restrooms. Apparently, people say there should be more bathrooms. Yeah, that's not going to stop somebody from peeing. No, I don't think so either. So You just pee in the yeah. middle there. <laughs> not you, to you give mean, them ideas. You mean, you mean the stain on the floor? You're right. Well, I'm saying you could just pee in the center there. Oh, um, no. I think it's time to take a break on that note. <laughs> don't you agree? I don't know. We're going to end on the P note. All right, if you insist. Well, just for the um, break. When we come back, we'll talk, talk about um, Apple's new product uh, that they have. We'll also talk about <clears throat> another Valentine's fundraiser where you can roast your ex uh, in celebration of the holiday. That's all coming up next on The After Party Live. The After Party Live is underwritten by our audience, and without you, this show wouldn't be possible. If you can contribute $10, $15, or $20 a month, it would keep this party a rockin'. The PayPal link can be found in the About section of the YouTube channel or at the bottom of the show description. Any dollar amount is appreciated, and it all adds up. On behalf of Kim and myself, thank you for your consideration. Aloha, bitches. It's the After Party Live. Yeah, we need to thank our ongoing contributor, Nancy V. We have a very anonymous shapely donor so thank you to our uh, anonymous donor thank joyce you. m janet r and jim s huge thank you to all of you for supporting big the after shout party out. live huge shout out huge love to you big hearts coming your way during this uh, valentine's month we also want to mm -hmm. thank west t for the double five that's double ten dollars total thank you Wes. Thank we want to thank pamela kirby for 10. thank you pamela we want to thank thank we want to thank doug for five um thank yeah, you doug. also it looks like uh it was an earthquake and dora is saying 3.3 just reported i updated and it looks like oh, yeah this is just me, off the look, coast of san francisco maybe i looked too soon yeah sometimes let it me takes double a, check it oh yeah we got a magnitude 3.4 yeah uh, five kilometers west southwest of San Francisco. Mm -hmm. So it it's was very quick. New it dot. Was quick enough to make you doubt whether or not it was an earthquake. It was mm -hmm. just kind of like a like a sudden like little Boy, lurch. It took him a few minutes to get that one up on the website. Uh, yeah. Well, they probably wow. were watching the show and then. Well, Kim says it's not an earthquake. You know, who are we to? We're just the USPS. I kept clicking and updating and refreshing, and usually they're faster than that when they get yeah. the when they put it up. But yeah, yeah. so. What a magnitude Well, and you normally 4. have a um, mm -hmm. reporting threshold of what, 4.0? No, my threshold is 2.8. Oh, I so, thought you said it was 4. used to be 3, but then people started feeling the 2.8s. So mm. if you f can feel it, then I'll usually report it. Yeah. But if usually it's under a 2.8, then often people don't feel it. So I like to do yeah. 3 or above, but a 3.4, and if you felt it, absolutely. So yeah, yeah there you go. Yeah, this is, um, yeah, this breaking is right. news. <laughs> breaking news. Oh, wait, was it breaking news? 
Yeah, it was breaking oh, news. And I, uh, sorry, I neglected to hit it. After Party Live, breaking news. Podcast to report to you today, a magnitude 3.4 earthquake has struck five kilometers west-southwest of San Francisco. John Daly, the first to report feeling the earthquake, no damage or injuries reported. <laughs> and uh, more breaking news, Joe Fong with a $5 super sticker. Thank yeah. You so Thank you so much. Joe Fong shaking it up. Yeah, I appreciate that. And uh, before we move on, Donald uh, yesterday asked about changing monthly donations. Oh, uh, mm -hmm. he said he had to increase them. He wanted to increase the monthly donation, had to cancel and use the link to restart the monthly payments. I did this in a browser. Perhaps the app allows us to change amounts. I found that if I go into the settings, uh, there is a place to uh, change your uh, automatic payments. But if you can't find it, if, if and you want to change the uh, dollar amount that you contribute, um, you can just send me an email. Uh, I actually can change the dollar amount of the monthly contribution if you don't want it interrupted. So if you would just shoot us an email and say, I want to change my contribution from this dollar amount to that, I can do it for you um, if, if you can't find the link or the place to put it. In the most responsible way possible, right? Yes. Yes, of course. <laughs> No, I mean, Satan might change it to something else. No, Satan doesn't get uh, no, access. I'll be good. They doesn't get access to the PayPal. No, uh, you know my favorite number. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but thank you, Donald. We appreciate that. Yeah. We appreciate that very much. Take me to Apple. What are they doing? Um, Apple, Apple, Apple. Uh, always in the news, always innovating. Yeah. Uh, but the latest thing that we're talking about is Apple's new Vision Pro. Um, now, this article is written by Jeffrey Fowler, who I used to book on um, the morning show on KGO. Yeah. Um, very good tech reporter. Uh, check out his work in the Washington Post. His article is Apple's new Vision Pro is a privacy mess waiting to happen. Imagine you're in a waiting room and someone sits next to you with four iPhones strapped to their forehead. You might swiftly relocate, right? Yep. That's what's exactly what's happening when someone straps an Apple's uh, Vision Pro headset on, right? Oh. Each of the goggles contains the rough equivalent to a head full of iPhones, two depth sensors, six microphones, and 12 cameras. It uses them to continuously track people and rooms in three dimension. Every hand gesture, every eyeball flick, and every couch cushion. Apple touts the uh, 3499 Vision Pro arriving Friday as the next big thing after the smartphone. When you uh, wear one, you see the world around you in a computer-generated image and information superimposed on top. You might be intrigued to think the idea of a face computer is dumb. Regardless, you might want to know that this device collects more data than any other personal device that uh, Jeff's ever seen. If this is our potential future, then I've got a lot of questions, he says. <laughs> yes. Uh, at launch, Apple has taken steps to restrict some of the data collected by the Vision Pro, including what um, people's eyes are looking at. That's a good thing. But there are also new kinds of risks uh, Apple doesn't appear to have addressed or might not be able to, given how the tech works. And he sees privacy, uh, he sees this as a privacy mess waiting to happen. Among the new dilemmas flagged uh, to him by privacy researchers, who gets to access the maps these devices build of our homes and data about how we move our bodies, right? A Vision Pro could reveal much more than you realize. Um, the last time a gadget raised these uh, sorts of societal questions was in 2013 with Google Glass. You remember that? Yeah. People were being labeled glass holes. Uh, it contained a small screen and just one camera that people worried might be used to convert, uh, covertly record them. Glass was so reviled, the nickname was Glass Holes, indeed. Now we have to brace for perhaps the Vision Bros. Um, most of the Vision Pro concerns are at this point speculative, but it uh, matters to all 
of us if the technology Apple and others are inventing to replace smartphones could end up supercharging online problems like location tracking, the loss of uh, being, you, you know, being anonymous, right? Right. Data brokers gathering in intimate details of your lives. Should we as a society really be going headfirst into a virtual reality and augmented reality in our lives before we have strong privacy legislation, mm-hmm. uh, asked the uh, um, representative from the Electronic Frontier Foundation. So if you want to check out this article, uh, I don't, I'm not going to go into too much detail. Check out um, Jeffrey Fowler's column in the Washington Post. Apple's new Vision Pro is a privacy mess waiting you know, to happen. You know, we've had these stories about you can name a, a you know, cockroach after your ex and feed it to a creature at the zoo, yeah. you know, all these things. Here's a story about you can do something else to your ex. This is, uh, this place is called Crumbs and Whiskers, okay? Crumbs and Whiskers. It's a okay. cat cafe in Los Angeles. I'm on oh, board so far. A cat cafe, right? Sounds good. Well, they're inviting you to get revenge on an ex while helping local animals get the care they need. It's called the S beep on your ex campaign, right? The S word on your ex campaign. It's taking place throughout the month of February at Crumbs and Whiskers. Thank you, Gene, in Beverly Grove. So here's how it works. For five bucks, you... You get you pay five dollars. Your ex's name will be put on a card and placed into a litter box used by the cats in the cafe. Then nature will take its course, and the proceeds from the event go toward the organization's cat health fund, which helps cover the medical bills of adoptable cats. They say they do it every year, that it's so much fun for their team and the customers, but that it also really does a lot of good. Uh, They raise a lot of money for animals in need, and they say it's a great thing. They've been doing this since February of 2017, and it's evolved over time. Uh, They had to pause it during the pandemic, but now it is back. Crumbs and Whiskers was the first cat cafe to take up residence in Los Angeles. The business partners with local animal rescues to help homeless cats and those at risk of being put down find more permanent homes. However, in what I think is very Los Angeles fashion, the Crumbs and Whiskers folks offer a private cat experience. I thought, what's that? I have to click on it. Does that involve a a stripper pole? (laughs) It's a room full of cats just for you. That's what I wondered. I'm like, what? You get the lap. Oh, they get the lap dance. Can I tell you how much it is? $800 for one hour. Oh, man. These cats are being $1,500 for two and a quarter hours. Uh, Even more for what? Oh, Friday through Sunday versus Monday through Thursday. If you're going, uh, if it's a weekend private cat experience and you want to spend two and a quarter hours with a cat, 1800 bucks. Wow. What? Why don't you just volunteer at your local shelter? That's what I'm thinking. Or, you know, come by and visit Archie. I'll, I'll, we won't charge that. <laughs> you charge you 1800 bucks to spend two no. hours with Archie. Archie just wants some treats. Oh, my goodness. Can you believe it? That's no. a lot of money for And So Stupid. I like that they're helping homeless cats and raising money to help the cats. But wow, that's wild. That's a crazy amount. Yeah. Of money. No, 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 no. <laughs> I am not drawn to that. Um, like insects are drawn to light. Oh, that's a, well, is that they? a moth? What is that? Yeah, it looks like it. Mm-hmm. It's a 49ers moth. <laughs> yeah, New research is. shows that it's 
Uh, confusion, not fatal attraction. Oh. Like a moth to flame, many scientists and poets have long assumed that flying insects were simply uh, drawn to bright lights. But that's not exactly what's going on, according to a new study. Rather than being attracted to light, researchers believe the artificial lights at night actually may be scrambling a flying insect's innate navigational systems, causing them to flutter in confusion around porch lamps, street lamp lights, and other artificial beacons. Insects have a navigational problem, uh, says this biologist from the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, who was uh, not involved in the research. They are accustomed to using light as a cue to know which way is up. Insects do not fly directly towards the light source, but actually tilt their backs towards the light, um, says the co-author of the study. That would make sense if the strongest light source uh, was in the sky, right? But in the presence hmm. of artificial lights, the results, uh, uh, the result is mid-air confusion, not attraction. For the study, researchers attached tiny little sensors to moths and dragonflies in a laboratory to film motion capture flight of, uh, of the bugs, of the insects. Similar to how filmmakers attach sensors to actors to track their movements. They also used high-resolution cameras to film the insects swirling around lights at a field in uh, Costa Rica. This allowed them... Sounds like somebody just wanted a vacation. Um, <laughs> do you have to do this in Costa Rica? Yeah, it's well, the only place. Let's do this study in it, Costa Rica. They've got the this moth down place. there. It's yep. the only place that has these moths. Uh, this allowed them to study in detail how dragonflies will circle endlessly around light sources, positioning themselves with their backs facing the beams. They also documented that some insects will flip upside down and often crash land in the presence of lights that shine straight upward like searchlights. Insect flight was uh, least disrupted by bright lights that shine straight downward, according to the researchers. For millions of years, insects oriented themselves by sensing that the sky is light, the ground is dark, until people invented artificial lights, and we've just been messing it up for them ever since. Oh, so it's our fault. We Sorry, suck. Sorry, bugs. Yeah. Shoot. Our bad. We're sorry. Mm. <laughs> uh, let's move toward entertainment news. They they're bringing back America's Most Wanted. You remember uh, Mr. Walsh? Yeah, the John on the left. Walsh. Yeah, he's coming back. Yeah, as a young boy, Callahan Walsh remembers uh, playing soccer, hanging out with friends at his family's home in South Florida, and vacationing in upstate New York to spend more time with his father, John Walsh, host of groundbreaking true crime TV show America's Most Wanted. He went to work f with him. Uh, when he could. I grew up on set, he says. He's 39 years old. From age 10, he had a front row seat to watch his dad shooting episodes of the popular Fox series and gradually picked up the skills needed to work in production. After college uh, in Florida, he says, I did post-production audio. Then I was a PA shooting stand-up segments and eventually producing the show's reenactments. My father made sure that I knew how to do every position. Two decades later, Callahan is uh, working once again on America's uh, Most Wanted, this time in front of the camera. He and his famous dad co-host the new reboot of the iconic weekly series, Monday nights at 8 o'clock. Um, uh, beloved by many fans and law enforcement alike, the original Emmy-winning program um, that debuted in 1988 helped to catch more than 1,100 criminals and bring home 50 missing children during That's its 24-season cool. run. That's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, John That's starred good. on the show on the then-fledgling network after becoming a prominent criminal justice advocate following the murder of his firstborn son. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, that's sad. It's really nice that he gets to continue this work with his son. Yeah, you know? so that's um, yeah. on Fox. Yeah. Um, Where another Dion. Emmy Award winner worked. <laughs> Which one is that? Mark Thompson. Oh, two Emmys for that guy. Yeah. Celine Dion, she has stiff person syndrome. 
just really weird and rare disease where your muscles stiffen up and they you lose the ability to like relax and that has all kinds of ramifications for your breathing for your heart for everything and it's often fatal while celine dion's performing career she says is on hold as she lives with stiff person syndrome she is now chronicling her journey about this with this disease in a new documentary they're calling it I am Celine Dion. She says she's still optimistic that she one day will be able to take the stage again. I don't know. She said the last couple of years have been a challenge for her. The journey from discovering the condition of stiff person syndrome uh, to learning how to live and manage it, but not to let it define me, she said. As the road to resuming my performing career continues, she said, I've realized how much I have missed it or being able to see my fans. She wanted to document this part of her life uh, to raise awareness of this little known condition to help others who may share the diagnosis. So they announced in December of 2022 that she was taking time off from professional commitments to focus on her health. Um, uh, she said that it, because she has this, it doesn't allow her to sing in the way that she's used to. So I guess, you know, you, you use a lot of muscles when you sing. It's like a workout. If you're mm. doing it right, you're using your abdominal muscles, your everything, your, you know. And so I could see why this would be a problem. Um, she, she's got stiff person syndrome. They say it's a rare progressive syndrome that affects the nervous system, specifically the brain and the spinal cord. Um, and that she's doing everything she can to recover. She's a very strong woman. We'll see again, progressive is the key word there. So it just gets worse over time, right? I hate to be a naysayer about it, but yeah. So look out for the documentary on on her. I am Celine Dion. Celine Dion. Mm -hmm. Um, You know who else is in the news? Who? This guy. Jake. Jake Gyllenhaal. Studio responds to wild report about (laughs) unhinged onset behavior. What? The French director said that the actor read scripts in a Pepe Le Pew accent. (laughs) Oh, so you his... mean he's acting like a, a stupid American? Is that what oh, you mean? Yeah, he wanted his uh, character to slap a fish and strip down to jump <laughs> into the freezing ocean. Oh, Jake. At least one filmmaker just couldn't deal with Jake Gyllenhaal. French director Tom uh, Thomas Bidegain, uh told the website oh, wait, wait. Technicart that in 2021, <laughs> he pulled the plug on the English language version of his film suddenly just four days after production due to Gyllenhaal's uh, uh, onset a- antics in Iceland. According to the Huffington Post uh, translation of the report, and I'm sure we couldn't rely on that, um, he said Gyllenhaal uh, read the script in a mock French accent, demanded <laughs> wild rewrites, forced set builders to sleep in their cars as a COVID product, uh, preca- precaution, and stripped down to his underwear in front of the crew to jump into the freezing ocean while declaring, when I see the sea, I swim in the sea. Yeah. Oh. Jakey Poo. Suddenly was an English language adaptation of a French writer Isabelle Ossias novel, uh, which follows a couple who became became stranded on an island, according to Deadline. The movie was supposed to be the sophomore directorial uh, project following his uh, director's successes as a screenwriter for the acclaimed projects A Prophet and Rust and Bone. Um, uh, Gillen, it's a Jake Gyllenhaal, right? Gyllenhaal. Yeah. Gyllenhaal had signed on to the project as one of its producers and was to co-star in the film with the Crown's uh, alum, Vanessa Kirby. 
So, oh, womp, womp. Well, not anymore. Mm-mm. Take you crazy. Yeah, he was acting like a crazy American. We turn now to the case of the missing polar bear. How do you steal a polar bear, one might ask? It happened in Canada. A massive taxidermied polar bear was stolen in this what's being called very bizarre Canadian heist. They took it. 500-pound stuffed polar bear, which had been living on a perch kind of up high at this resort in near Edmonton, Canada. It's called the Lily Lake Resort. The bear, about 12 feet tall, is believed to have been snatched during a cold snap in early January. Temperatures were uh, minus 30 degrees Celsius, minus 22 Fahrenheit. It was cold. It was so cold that they had to shut down the resort, right? It's too cold to even stay open. So they closed down the resort. And when they closed down the resort, well, that is when somebody swept in and stole it. Mm. Uh, apparently, it was up there. You see it? How the, right behind it, there's like a string. That's a cable holding it up. And the cables that were holding this polar bear up were cut. Um, it was dragged outside where they think someone had a vehicle waiting. They said this had to be planned 100%. You would have to have a big enough vehicle to take this thing away. You would have to know that it was up there with cables that you you know had to have something to cut the cables with. They call it the heist of the big polar bear. And they're asking people to look out for this polar bear in case anyone tries to sell it online. They say it's going to stick out right away. If you see this thing, you know exactly where it came from. But what's interesting is... It's not the first time this has happened at the uh, Lily Resort in Edmonton, the Lily Lake Resort. No. Uh, in, let's see, 20, trying to think, uh, August, ra- uh, rather, August of 2023, they had two taxidermied raccoons stolen from the property as well during a break-in. First of all, can I just say how creepy that they have all these stuffed dead animals all over the hotel? Mm-hmm. But okay, so the the raccoons were stolen, the polar bears stolen, and these apparently these are valuable. The cost of all three taxidermy animals is about $26,000. That's according to the Mounties, the Royal Mounted Police. So they don't know if the cases are linked, but they're thinking, yeah, it, they think so. You know, um, did you know that there are about 16,000 polar bears in Canada? Wow. I had no idea. Yeah. Two-thirds of the global population of the species. Hunting polar bears, which mostly live in Arctic regions, is legal in Canada's northern territories. Okay. So, yeah. But anyway, they're trying to ask people to keep a lookout for this uh, this giant polar bear. The only problem with this story is that they haven't named it. It should have had a name, right? <laughs> Like Fred the polar bear, I don't know, something, give him a little bit of, you know, somebody find, like, there should be a find Fred campaign. No. Oh, Fred. Oh, Fred. Where are you? What do you you do with that? 12 feet tall and 500 pounds. I mean, where are you going to put it? You put it next to your Snoop uh, bobblehead. Your Snoop bobblehead. That's right. And Uh, your your dead raccoons. You know who found somebody? Who? 
Remember this Falwell story? No. Remember this guy? Does this, do the Jerry Falwell Jr. on the right there? Okay. The Falwells are ready to sell that South Beach hostel. I don't even remember this story. That launched the Pool Boy saga. That was the Pool Boy on the left there. Jerry Falwell Jr. looks ready to sever ties with the South Beach hostel that launched this Pool Boy sex saga. Uh, the, the pending deal is tied up in a court fight. Um, in 2013, companies set up by the former evangelical son's uh, or leader's son, Trey, paid $4.7 million for the two-story building at 810, 810 on the dial, 810 mm-hmm. Alton Road, um, 8080, that housed a liquor store, restaurant, and a cut-rate hostel. That's right, in the south, uh, yeah. the heart of South Beach. The odd How much part did was they that, pay for this? Um, $4.7 million for two These are supposed building. to be people of God, right? When people send them money and they do the Lord's work with it? Well... Yeah, oh. I mean, but okay. it's, it's a son. Just making so. sure I understand it right. The odd okay. part was that the Falwell business partner in the property, Giancarlo Granda, who befriended Jerry and his wife Becky the year before while he was a 20-year-old pool attendant at the Fountain Blue Hotel in Miami Beach. When the arraignment became public in 2018, the pub, uh, pool boy saga began. It morphed into a scandal after Granda and Becky Falwell confirmed in dueling 2020 interviews that they had been having sex before the relationship soured. Oh. Granda claimed that Jerry filmed some of the encounters. Is this coming back to you, Kim? And the Falwell <laughs> no. said that he was unaware of the wife's affair. The saga helped lead Falwell's 2020 exit as president of Liberty University. Liberty, Liberty, Liberty. The <laughs> evangelical college that his father founded in the 1970s. Despite the messy split, the South Beach Hostel remained a link between the uh, Granda and the Falwells. Though his name has been removed from the annual corporate filings last year, Granda said Wednesday night that he still has a stake in the business. I'm still an owner. He's now 32 and living in Miami, just not an active manager. He wasn't aware of this uh, 2023 sales contract for the public uh, for the property that became public in January with a would-be buyer. Um, uh, they uh, a would-be buyer sued Alton Hostel LLC to close this 4.8 million dollar deal. Currently, court filings by a plaintiff show that it had 5.5 million dollar sales contract for the hostel building um, in uh, February of last February. year. February. Um, but anyway, I won't get too far into all these details, but. Um, that was only 150000 above the original asking price. Um, Granda, who was studying real estate at Georgetown University as, a, uh, as the pool boy scandal went public, said he expected huh. much more from the sale. Trey Falwell did not respond to a uh, request for comment. And Jerry Falwell Jr. is not listed on any of the ownership papers for the property. Um, so, yeah. Drama, drama, drama. Oh. How do you like this? You go to a soccer game. Mm-hmm. Oops. Go to a soccer game. And... You think you're just a fan, you're rooting for your favorite team, in this case, the English soccer club Wolverhampton, when all of a sudden, there's an injury, one of the refs is taken out, and they have to go to the fans, and they say, anybody here have referee experience? And a man raises his hand and says, well, I was a, I'm certified as a youth referee. And they say, that's good enough for us. You're in. What? Yes. So they pull this guy in. His name is Ross Bennett. He's there at the game with his 11-year-old son. And he volunteered to fill in as the fourth official in the technical area near the dugouts after an injury to one of the assistant refs in extra time. Bennett 
qualified as a referee at youth level, said they quickly gave him a crash course on how to work the substitutes board and deal with questions from members of the Brentford staff in what was a very tense end to the match at Molyneux. He said the hardest part of the new job was um, was when uh, one of the players, Kuna, converted a penalty that ultimately sealed the 3-2 to two win for the Wolves. Um, so yeah, he's thrown in. He goes, I I was gutted that I couldn't celebrate the goal. I had to stay neutral because when you're a ref, you can't celebrate that your team just won. Inside, he said, I'm screaming and thinking, I'm off to the Hawthorns in less than two weeks. I'm the only Wolves fan in here not celebrating. But he said it was a once-in-a-lifetime thing that is never going to happen to him again. He said it still doesn't even feel real that it happened, that he was pulled out to referee. So kind of oh, an interesting funny. story. Yeah. Very cool. And what else is cool? Uh, Ms. Organic is taking off here, but have a great weekend. $10. Have a great weekend, Kim and John. Got to run. Congrats on your half birthday. Thank you, Ms. Organic. We appreciate the $10. Thank you, Ms. Organic. Very, very nice of you. Very cool. Absolutely. Yes, yes, yes. Um, Somebody else who has money (laughs) and has a lot of it, and you might want to get to know him because he's purchasing islands. Google's Larry Page secretly spent. $32 $32 million for this private island uh, that you see there in the background. Former Google CEO Larry Page has quietly added yet another private island to his collection. The billionaire co-founder, who is known uh, has a known penchant for pur- purchasing islands, has been freshly revealed as the owner of yet another. According to documents revealed by Business Insider, um, Page in 2018 shelled out $32 million for Cayo Norte, a large oh. parcel of land known for being ringed by reefs, a haven for sea turtles, and full of white sand beaches. Nice. There I mean, it is if again. you have billions of dollars, you could buy whatever you want in the world. Why not islands? Absolutely. As long as you're going to protect them. Um, located mm-hmm. 20 nautical miles east of Puerto Rico at nearly 300 acres, it's the largest privately owned island in Puerto Rico. Publication added that Page bought the isle uh, using the same LLC he'd used to pre- uh, previously uh, buy islands. In all, the 50-year-old is known to have five islands across the globe from the South Pacific to the Caribbean, where he also owns Cayo's close neighbor, the uh, Lolic Islands, for which he paid $23 million in 2014. Wow. Yeah. So, uh, um, that's cool. I, the island looks beautiful, and I bet you know, I saw a presentation it, so. uh, done by uh, Sergey and Larry at Sonoma State about this new technology called Google that they're working on it at, uh, at Stanford before they launched yeah. their business. Uh, it was a during computer science colloquium at lunchtime, and I should have uh, dropped out of school <laughs> and offered to be their janitor. Absolutely. But I did not. No. And here I am. Well, before we go, <laughs> I do have a bit of breaking news, and I will take oh, your... Oh. Yeah. I breaking will news. Mm-hmm. All you got to do is say it. After Party Live, breaking news. Yeah, I'll show you the... Um, there it is. I'll see if I can't scroll down a little bit and show you the headline. It has begun the uh, U.S. airstrikes in Syria and Iraq. Oh. That, according to Newsweek, also CNN, at this point, the United States is launching retaliatory airstrikes on Iranian-linked military targets in, or militia targets, I should say, in Iraq and Syria. 
85 targets uh, hit today, the start of what they think will be a series of a larger scale U.S. strikes on Iranian-backed militias who have carried out attacks on U.S. troops in the Middle East. They came in response, of course, to that drone attack that killed uh, at least four or rather three troop members and injured uh, many others. But yeah, so now we have the what the beginning is of the uh, the U.S. airstrikes. So uh, yeah. that is the latest. U.S. Central Command confirming the airstrikes were carried out in Iraq and in Syria, more than 85 targets. So that's what we know. Well, they need to do it. They need to stop it. And uh, Iran tries to get a, a, away with what they do uh, by funding you know, other people to do it, right? Yeah. Which is a very cowardly thing to do. And uh, hopefully that government will go away at some point. So my mom's mom will get her country back. Um, mm. On that sad note, um, we've come towards the end. Also sad. Come to the end of the after party for another Friday. But we have plenty of uh, plenty to be thankful for. We want to thank our yeah. ongoing contributors, Nancy B. A, don- a donation from Anonymous. Thank you, Anonymous. Anonymous. Joyce M. Janet R. Jim S. And then we have um, a new super sticker from Nick. Want to start with uh, Nick? Nick! To, uh, for $10. Have a thank great you, weekend, Nick. guys. Then we had uh, Wes with two. $5 super stickers coming up with $10. Thank you, Wes. Pamela with $10. Doug with $5. Joe Fong with $5. And then, of course, Miss Organic with $10. Thank you, guys. We appreciate that. Thank you, that. guys, very much. Stay dry. It's going to be a wet weekend. And I hope you have a really good one. We'll see you back here on Monday on the After Party Live. Bye-bye. And watch out for those aftershocks. Absolutely. Have a great weekend. Stay Bye. dry.